Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 159th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm great, Cam. I'm, I'm always great, but especially great this week. You got that first week of fantasy football under your belt, first week of yeah. NFL games. Oh, man, it was it was great to just kick back on Sunday, watch like seven hours of football and college football too. The The weekends in the fall, man, it just makes it makes the work week even longer than it normally is because yeah. you're just like, oh man, it's so fun. I'm just looking forward to uh, doing absolutely nothing on the weekends, but which sounds very productive. Yeah. Well, it's your time. Do yeah, with it I guess so. what you want. Yeah, I can do whatever I want, right? Absolutely. Uh, the Chiefs were in a nail biter of a game. They just like you know epic comeback that's just what they do i guess i guess i mean it's just it's kind of ridiculous um that i even think this way i probably shouldn't let my guard down but i kind of do i just feel like uh, they'll find a way and they always do and i don't know like of course i really want the chiefs to win every single game but the nfl schedule i just feel like even if they lost that game i'd be like eh, it's fine yeah they're gonna still find a way to probably I don't know, win the division and all that stuff. But it was still awesome to to see that come back and some really fun moments in that one. Yeah, the Panthers won as well. Got Broncos won, three wins. Three three. Yeah, I think the AFC wow. West went uh, undefeated. Even the, the Raiders even pulled out oh, there. Yeah. Sheesh. Sam Darnold got revenge on the Jets. Um, I ran into somebody that I, at my work who was wearing a Christian McCaffrey shirt. And I was like, wow, Panthers fan, that's cool. And she was like, yeah, I used to be a Jets fan, but the way they treated Sam Darnold made me switch to being a Panthers fan. Wow. I was like, okay, we'll take you, but that's interesting. Hmm. Maybe. There's just not a lot maybe of good reasons. Darnold jersey? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> just not I'm, a lot of good reasons to be a Panthers fan, so just got to. Not a lot of good reasons to be a Jets fan. She was, <laughs> she was ready to leave she very quickly. She jumped ship pretty easily, yeah. yeah. Well, Kyle, we've got uh, to talk about the Kentucky game. Uh, We do have some recruiting notes Mm. to touch on first. But before we do that, I want to give a special shout out to our newest Patreon supporter at the $10 level, Tim Keens. Thank you, Tim. Welcome in. We appreciate your support. We appreciate everybody over at Patreon. We appreciate everybody who subscribes on YouTube and gives us reviews on iTunes and those places. So keep it up, everyone. We have really been enjoying the community lately it's been a lot of fun so shout out to to tim keens for that uh kyle one thing we missed last week was missouri got a a commitment from a player and do you remember who it was i'm putting you on the spot uh i'll look it up was it a was it a flip yeah who was that i don't know well, we'll come back to it. I'll remember. Uh, this week, we need to talk about two very big commit uh, recruits. And on the basketball side, that's Aiden Shaw, who has an announcement coming up very soon. And on the football side, you know him, you love him. It's Luther Burden. I've heard of him. So uh, let's start with Aiden Shaw. What's He's coming to a decision sometime soon? Yeah, Friday. Announcing his commitment on Friday. Today is Wednesday, so... By the time you're hearing this episode, it will probably be coming any moment. I think it's Friday morning around like maybe 10, 30, 11, something like that, central time. So 
that is a big announcement uh, for a player that is very important to Missouri's class. Uh, I think they only have like one open scholarship, if that. <laughs> so they, you know, had the they had to be pretty selective with who they're going to land here. And obviously, Aiden Shaw uh, would be the perfect candidate to. If you could choose anybody, I mean, it just seems like that's the perfect ideal recruit you're looking for probably a three or four year guy yeah who's really talented really long play multiple positions yeah. good defender yeah yeah can handle the ball score sure. absolutely athletic yeah that would be huge and that would i think ease the minds of a lot of people that are uh not too happy with Conzo martin and the coaching staff right now i think that would go a long way to kind of make people feel a little bit better based on the reaction to last year's recruiting class and last year's into the season. Yeah. Uh, the flip that I'm talking about from Nebraska to Mizzou is Valen Erickson. Thank you. Uh, offensive lineman. Yeah, and that that was an interesting one because he just committed to Nebraska pretty recently. Is this this summer? Maybe even it was like July, and he was on a visit uh, to Mizzou. Uh, I guess it was that first weekend, and just decided to to flip after his visit so i don't know what happened in that span of like a month where he was committed to nebraska but um i mean we just see continually over and over how the trenches are so important and we've got work to do there and we've definitely seen that in the first couple of games where um if you are not sound at in the o-line or d-line you will be punished for it especially in the sec so um just give me all the talented offensive or defensive lineman so i was excited about that one for sure and things just generally not going super great over in nebraska yeah. um yeah sorry producer cam but anytime we can losing steal, a lot of recruits steal a recruit from nebraska it's kind of enjoyable yeah uh okay so luther burden he is announcing a top three on friday yep we expect that to be Mizzou and Georgia and Oklahoma, I guess. Oklahoma or Alabama, I yeah. would guess. But I don't really see anybody outside of those three or four having a shot. But he also announced he's making his decision, his final decision, on October 20th. Yep. So that will be here before we know it, uh, right in the middle of football season. Mm-hmm. So mark your calendars. It's time. Yeah. Um it seems so crazy that it's fi- we finally have a, a date in our minds that we will know Luther Burden is making his decision, and I'm assuming that will be his final decision, um, with just like a you know a month or two left before signing day. Um, I really thought we were going to go right up until signing day with yeah. like an ESPN uh, conference type situation. Right. Yeah, I kind of thought we might too, but to me, how I perceive the situation, it just really seems like. Luther Burden knows where he wants to go, and I think that's Missouri. Um, it just seems like you know we've we've heard the rumblings, the rumors, um, all of this time, and you know the last eight months, or it seems like mm-hmm. even longer than that. That Luther Burden was intrigued by Missouri. He has a lot of family here. I think he has nine siblings. Um, he's a five-star guy who will the NFL will see him no matter where he goes. Yeah, and he could go to an FCS school and still find a way on an NFL roster. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't really matter where he ends up. He's going to be noticed. He's going to be seen on national television frequently and he's going to make a difference. And why not make a huge difference at your home state school? And it just seems like that's clicked for him. We know coach Drinkwitz is a great recruiter and he never took off, took his foot off the gas pedal. Even when he was committed to Oklahoma all that time, um, never stopped pursuing. So, 
um, it's good to feel loved and yeah. it's good to feel like you can make a difference for for the home t- home state school yeah uh, you put it perfectly there I don't think I have much to add other than uh, if this doesn't go Missouri's way uh, there'll be chaos there will be hell to pay there'll be riots <laughs> we would have been really suckered into something here if if he if he ends up not going to missouri i, I really yeah. feel like i just i at this point i don't foresee anything other than missouri feels good to say that does um, it it does it feels a little <laughs> it's scary gonna, it's gonna feel you. a little bit better whenever it's official though okay yeah i'm scared like by proxy for you <laughs> That you're like being so confident. I have to about go it. into witness protection if he doesn't. Seriously, yeah, we don't know anything. We just are. It really seems like right. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, the, the play. we just. I mean, yeah, we're we're feeling out what people have said around the area right. and people on the inside. They're on the inside for a reason. They they know things and people have shared things, and uh, when you get some of those pretty reliable sources saying the same things. It all adds up. I'm excited. Uh, a uh, YouTube commenter pointed out that I was like already all in on Luther Burden to Mizzou like three weeks ago. Yeah. The last time we talked about him. I think, yeah, you and, well before uh, that. Yeah. And yeah. So he was like, uh, like expressing worry that I was like setting myself up for disappointment. And yeah, that's exactly what happened. So. Yeah. I think it was like uh, June. You were trying not to have a like m- mental health crisis about it. So but how are, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? I'm doing okay. October's <laughs> here. Uh, October's right around the corner. Good. We've got an uh, announcement date, so I'm ready. All right, Kyle, let's talk about this Kentucky game. Unfortunately, Missouri suffered their first loss of the season. Uh, Kentucky won this game 35-28. to The final score is kind of like in line with what I expected to some extent, like a one-score game that Kentucky would win ev- eventually, but... This game did not go according to plan, even though Missouri was in it to the end. It was a very strange game. Kentucky looked like they could just like blow it wide open. Yeah. And Missouri fought back. And Kentucky had some huge errors, like just mental mistakes and just fluke plays that didn't go their way that kept Missouri in it. But in the end, Missouri wasn't quite able to get it done. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the the final score was was pretty much in line with what we predicted um, on the episode last week. A little bit higher scoring, week. but other yeah, than that. Um, it was insane to me that Missouri was able to put themselves in a position to potentially tie this game at the you know as the game was ending. Um, it really felt like Kentucky was far and away the better team in this game, and like you said, they it just felt like at any point they could have blown the game open if they just would have executed a little bit better. Um, but at the same time, uh, I was really happy with how Missouri fought in this game. And, you know, they got down like 21 to seven in mm-hmm. the first half and found a way just, you know, sometimes that's what teams have to do. Even if you feel like you're getting beat on a play by play basis, just finding ways to score, to, to stay in the game. And I think that's what they did. Yeah. Um, and making big plays on defense and special teams to just like answer yeah. the call each time. Yeah. They, they definitely, especially just something about just getting the ball ran down your throat is like demoralizing. And I feel like it would have been so easy for them to just been like, okay, screw it. Like, well, let's just give up. That maybe happens if uh, Chris Rodriguez doesn't fumble at the one yard. Line. Yeah. They pretty much 
score, I think it pretty much got to the point where it should have been twenty-eight to seven. Yeah, and that's when when Chris uh, Rodriguez fumbled in the end zone. Yeah, but I mean, Kentucky started the game by just gashing Mizzou's defense. Uh, Wandale Robinson, a sixty-four-yard run on like the second play of the game. Yeah, just. Um, yeah, I mean that was kind of their mo was they would just kind of run it down Missouri's throat and then take huge chunk plays every once in a while to yeah. kind of blow it open. Yeah, it, it, the game did not get off to the start that we wanted whatsoever. And I think we, Steve Wilkes even said in an interview after the game that there was some kind of miscommunication. I don't know exactly what happened, but uh, they thought Kentucky was kind of being the jumbo format, so they rolled out five down linemen and they weren't ready for this kind of... Uh, jet sweep yeah jet sweep like a wide receiver handoff and of course yeah he goes for like 65 yards or something and i don't know like do you know who uh i know uh jalen carlise was chasing him down and ennis rakestraw okay rakestraw like fast he caught up to him yeah if yeah if there's a silver lining of that play it was how how fast ennis rakestraw uh closed in on on robinson but yeah, it just, I don't know, man. It just can't happen, especially in like the second play of the game. And I, I want to be forgiving. I know mistakes happen, but I, I just don't, I don't really know what was going on there. And it's, it's disappointing. And it seems like, okay, you put more defensive linemen in the box. You should have been able to stop the run. I, yeah. I, I don't know. But I think it's pretty much a conclusion at this point that it, if the defensive line and linebackers have been a lot more disappointing than we had hoped for, at least at stopping the run. Yeah, uh, Missouri's defense so far this season has given up yardage like I mean, uh, like some of the worst in yeah, it's uh, like a FBS hot knife through butter. And this kind of goes back to last season, um, the Mississippi State game. They just you know gave up all kinds of yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, their last three SEC games last year, the defense did not look good. They were dealing with some COVID stuff, some injuries. So you know it was such a weird season. We kind of like let it slide a little bit, but it's carried over into this season and it's not looking good yeah i wonder how much of its scheme too i mean we've talked about this a little quite a bit recently and just how much of this is the scheme how much are, are the players just in over their heads are they not understanding you know what they need to be doing scheme wise um i don't know but it seemed like they played a little more zone this week than they did last week and at the beginning of the game it really felt like uh the, that hurt them in a couple different moments i feel like chris abrams drain had a had a really rough start to this game where he was he just completely out of position a few times and uh, just was letting receivers run wide open and just got beat yeah so um missouri's offense started slow as well um they their very first possession they started the game by throwing the ball five times in a row four of them were completed but uh they only got one first down and the drive ended there. So it's strange to me. I, you know, people like to question play calling quite a bit. I don't think I really think that's too fruitful because, you know, what? Yeah, sometimes the plays just aren't going to work. Yeah. But going that unbalanced out of the gate with five straight passes is a little weird when you have Tyler Beatty and you should be trying to establish the run game, I would think, early or at least, I don't know, being a little bit more creative with it. Eventually, they got Tyler Beatty going. Um, Mizzou had a 10-play, 75-yard touchdown drive where Tyler Beatty touched the ball five times and had 51 total yards. Uh, That was the drive that ended with Bayslack finding Daniel Parker Jr. in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. That was Missouri's first score of the game uh, to make it 14-7. But 
Tyler Beatty, he showed on that drive. That drive was like a microcosm of the total game, which is just a microcosm of his entire play style and ability on the football field. He's incredible. Yeah, he's clearly like the engine that's making the offense work, and it's almost alarmingly because if something happened to him, I, I think we'd be lost. But I I think Elijah Young is good. Yeah, I do too. But, but he's not a, he's, maybe ready to just be a complete yeah. MVP. He's not as dynamic. It's, I don't yeah. know that he's ready to put the team on his back like Tyler Beatty's doing right now. But you never know until a player's forced to be in one of those positions. So I, I think he's a great player, and I think we'd be fine. But Tyler Beatty's playing out of his mind. Yeah. Well, I want to – his stats on the game, he had 14 carries for 61 yards and 10 receptions for 88 yards and a touchdown. 10 receptions. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah, obviously I, most receptions of anybody on the team. I just feel like that can't continue because especially when we're playing, obviously it's not going to matter against Simo. At least I wouldn't hope so. But when we're playing some of the SEC teams like Kentucky later in the season, teams are just going to be able to key in to Tyler Beatty. And uh, if we're just relying on him as much as we have been in the first two games, I think. Well, it, it, it seems like Bazelak is going through his progressions and then coming to the conclusion that he just needs to get the ball to Beatty. I agree. So how do you really... Right. I don't know if it's a wide receiver issue. I don't know if they're maybe not getting um, separation or maybe Bazelak. And I feel like we talked about this in the Kelly Bryant era where yeah. it just maybe the quarterback needs to trust his wide receivers to make a play. Yeah. And we'll talk about this in a minute, but... Um, I felt like he did that really well with the touchdown pass to Kiki Chisholm. Absolutely. Where he just said, screw it. I'm just going to throw it and see kind of kind of see what happens. And, and Chisholm made a play. And so sometimes I think that maybe he just needs to put a little bit more trust in his wide receivers. Yeah, well, let's, yeah, let's talk about that. So um, towards the end of the first half, Kentucky, that was the drive where Kentucky ran the ball 11 times in a row for 87 yards. And Chris Rodriguez took the handoff was about to score a touchdown and Jalen Carlisle came up an incredibly powerful tackle rem- reminiscent of last week, his hit on the uh, central Michigan quarterback mm-hmm. at, in the red zone and ball popped out. Missouri recovers. Kentucky was so dominant on that drive. It was like insulting that Kentucky just kept running the ball mm-hmm. and Missouri could do nothing about it. And they were threatening to go up 28-7 right there towards the end of the, of the first half. And that would have been, I think, insurmountable for Mizzou at that point. Yeah, I mean, Mizzou only scored 28 points in the entire yeah. game. So I, I agree with you. That probably would have been the nail in the coffin in, like, the first half of the game. Right. And the way Kentucky was able to move the ball at will on yeah. the ground was for just sure. like, well, how can you expect this to change in the second half? Right. That, I mean, the fact that Kentucky got up early and were just able to, to run from that point on, that was just basically the worst possible scenario that they got out to a 14 to zero lead. Yeah. So Missouri gets the ball back. It's not 28, seven, it's still 21, seven. And Mizzou then goes down in nine plays, drives 80 yards, uh, more Tyler Beatty, but then, uh, Bazelak had completions to Chance Looper, Daniel Parker Jr., Towski Dove, and Kiki Chisholm all on this nine-play drive to close out the first half. Yeah. And finally did find Kiki Chisholm in the end zone for a 17-yard touchdown with 10 seconds left, and that made it a seven-point game going into halftime. Right. That, that was just a, a masterful drive where it's like they did exactly what they wanted to do. Like, you couldn't have drawn it up better than that. And... um 
yeah, they, I mean, the offense kind of did their job for the most part in this game, and the offense I thought did well enough to to win this game potentially. And that drive, I mean, was beautiful. Oh yeah, yeah, spreading the ball around and and getting back to your point about letting the receiver go make a play. Chisholm, it was like he was covered one on one. There was another defender kind of in the vicinity, but it was really just. Chisholm versus that one DB who he had a size advantage on and Bazelak put it to, you know, kind of like the outside of the receiver and Mm -hmm. Chisholm was able to make a play and the uh, defender even got called for pass interference. It didn't matter. But yeah, I mean, if that's, if it takes like those kind of like more desperation moments to get Bazelak to trust his receivers to go up and make a play. Yeah. That worries me for the offense moving forward. Yeah. Uh, I was really impressed with a couple of individual performances from the tight ends. I thought Nico Hay and Daniel Parker Jr. both may have had their best career, their their best games of their career. Um, it felt like Nico Hay had, I don't even know, at least six or seven catches and Daniel Parker Jr. had two touchdowns. So, uh, I kind of feel like that is the key to the offense improving is being able to utilize those tight ends and being able to rely on those guys to make plays. And I think they did that. I think they both did their job uh, very well. Yeah, they combined for eight catches, uh, 60 yards, and two touchdowns. I was a little worried about uh, Nico Hay. He got called for a uh, false start mm-hmm. at the goal line, pushed him back a little bit. And then they threw the touchdown pass to Daniel Parker Jr. I was kind of curious if that would have been Nico Hay catching that pass or in that spot mm. to catch the pass if he hadn't just committed the penalty. That's very possible. Yeah, because he immediately was off the field yeah, after that penalty. Not happy with himself. Right, understandably. Um, so I do want to mention uh, Jalen Carlisle had the big hit that jarred the ball loose yeah. from Chris Rodriguez. He also earlier in the first half had a interception of Will Levis. So he has been uh, like a breakout player on the defense so right. far that I don't think, I mean, we talked about him in the preseason as being a guy that could take that next step. Yeah. But I don't think I expected it to be showing dividends this early, right. like this clearly. Yeah. I mean, I think he may have been, my breakout candidate or, or one of the two guys that I was wanting to yeah. pick for, for defense. But even that, even knowing that he would probably break out this year, I'm not sure, I, like you said, imagined him to be this good. And just like the raw stats of like two forced fumbles and two interceptions. So right. Far. Yeah. I mean, he played wide receiver in high school and then came to Mizzou, I believe as a cornerback and then switched over to safety fairly recently. So he's played three different positions uh, so I guess that he's just picked the scheme up so quickly and seems like a smart player. And then obviously he's just athletically, he is a freak. So, um, he's been amazing. I don't know if he can continue at the pace that he's going at because yeah, he already has like three turnovers. Yeah. Um, and he missed the first half of the first game. Right. So he's hasn't even played two full games. Yeah. Hope, hopefully he only plays one half against uh SEMO as well at most. <laughs> I didn't know where you're going with that at first, but I wholeheartedly agree. Um, so coming out of the second half, uh, Missouri was only down seven. They got the ball back. So they're like, they had the opportunity yeah. to go down and tie the game, but Bazelak threw an interception 
and Kentucky just immediately turned around and scored a touchdown in like three plays. Yeah, that was so disappointing because it really felt like Missouri had the momentum uh, with that amazing drive before the half, and then having the ball, it was just like it felt like a miracle, honestly, that we were within seven points. But yeah. it still felt like this is a totally winnable game, and right. with the situation we're in, and we had the momentum, and I'm pretty sure. I was doing something, doing some laundry or something during halftime, and I literally missed the interception, mm-hmm. like because it happened so quickly. Yeah. It, it was one of the first plays right. of the second half, and just kind of destroyed the momentum we had. Yeah, but one thing that we talked about multiple times last year in, and it's not something that we saw very often at all under Barry Odom is every time the momentum shifts to away from Mizzou, last year and this year, they respond. And it's a, too little too late sometimes, and they lose the game, which you're going to lose some games. That's understandable. But it seems like so far these two Eli Drinkwitz teams do not give up on these games. And the offense is like, okay, we'll go, we'll right the ship and we'll, we'll score and we'll try to keep us in this. And the defense can make some stops to keep them in it. We haven't really seen games outside of maybe against Alabama and Georgia just really get out of hand and the team just like start to fold in on itself. And I think yeah. we saw that a lot under Barry Odom where oh. a, a couple bad breaks would go against Missouri and it's like, well, you know, and this then is over. nothing good would happen yeah, again the rest right. of the game. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously we, we know what coach Drinkwitz can do as a recruiter, but as far as in game coaching, I think he's a little bit unproven and, but I think that is one thing for sure that we know has improved is just the resolve of the team, um, just never giving up. And that makes a huge difference, especially in these toss up games where there's, you know, there's not very much margin for error for either team. And a few, a few errors can really swing outcomes of games. And it's just, these games are too important to give up in the first half. And the games are too long to give up like you have so many opportunities to, to get back in the game and it's still college football and unless you are playing alabama or georgia the other team is going to make mistakes right they're going to give you an opportunity to at least get back within striking distance yeah and kentucky did that at the end of the first half with that fumble and uh missouri's offense kept things going kept them in the game you know they were putting together multiple like they had a 10 play 75 yard touchdown drive then later had a 14 play 80 yard touchdown drive um that was the one that ended with tyler Beatty on third and 15 it was a planned screen pass i don't love the play call honestly kentucky was actually ready for it yeah and tyler Beatty just like shrugged off a tackle like it was nothing yeah it was kind of a conservative play call that ended up just like somehow working yeah yeah honestly as a Panthers fan, I watch a lot of Christian McCaffrey catching balls out of the backfield and making something out of nothing. Yeah. And Tyler Beatty does it in like the college football version exactly the same. Yeah. And it's it's incredible. Like uh, in a, not the podcast Fantasy Football League, but in one that we're in with just some of our friends, I have Christian McCaffrey on my team. It's very nice to have your yeah, favorite gonna, player on your team. Nice. But I'm always wanting the quarterback to look his way for fantasy purposes. And a lot of times it's the best thing for the offense. And I find myself seeing Bayslack go through his possessions and be like, yeah, that's fine. Go to Beatty again, go to yeah. him again. And on this play, it just kind of showed why 
they should just keep giving him the ball. Yeah, and he did that against Central Michigan too, yeah. um, where he took like a screen pass for a touchdown. So, yeah, what seems like conservative play calling ends up just being the best possible thing for the offense because Tyler Beatty has just been that good. Now, if that first guy that tries to wrap him up is successful and he stops him at like a 10-yard gain, it's fourth and five on the right like 20 or like 15-yard line, then we're thinking, okay, now you're going to kick a field goal when you're down 14. Like none of this makes any sense. Why did you call that play? Right. But Tyler Beatty was able to make it happen and yeah, made it a seven-point game yet it, again. It does kind of cover up what we may have been thinking, though, if it didn't work. And that is, like, does this does Coach Drinkwitz trust Bazelak to throw a pass more than, like, 20 yards? Because sometimes it really doesn't feel like it, like he has that uh, confidence in him. And I am mistaken. That touchdown tied the game at twenty-eight. Yeah. So that was just the, yeah. That was huge. Yeah. And it it just made you feel like okay, Missouri can win this game. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the offense answering the call, coming back out and putting touchdown drives together. Of course, the defense couldn't quite hold up there into the bargain. No. Uh, Kentucky scored again to go up 35-28. Uh, Mizzou had to give the ball back to Kentucky again. And it looked like they were going to drive down and kind of ice the game with a field goal to make it a two-score game with very little time left in the fourth quarter. And I, w- I will mention that I'll pat myself on the back a little bit here. I said in the Discord to you guys and the Patreon people in the Discord, I said, just block the kick or something. Oh, you told them to do that? Yeah. You told the players? Well, Good yeah. idea. I put that thought out into the... I, I doubt anybody else was thinking that. You spoke it into existence and we're very thankful. Because Missouri did block the field goal attempt. and uh, That was amazing. Yeah. Huge, huge play. Um, if Missouri somehow ends up winning this game, then there would just be some... Play- that would be demoralizing for Kentucky, honestly, to be like that dominant on both sides of the field yeah. for most of the game yeah and come up short but obviously they were just better right pretty much all game yeah if missouri finds a way to win this game that would probably be like one of the biggest plays of the season is that blocked field goal yeah and it almost was bigger than it was because uh the ball popped up into chris abrams drain's hands with nobody in front of him but yeah yeah. He kind of just fumbled it just enough where he probably felt like he didn't want to go for the home run play and just needed to fall on it. But yeah, like but fastest that, player on the field with like the whole field in front of him. Uh, that was, that definitely hurts a little bit knowing that he could have potentially ran that all the way back. That does bring up my uh, special teams coaching complaint that I have brought up on this podcast before, which is if you block a field goal on fourth down, don't worry about cover recovering it cleanly. Try as hard as you can to pick the ball to up and score. and score. Like in any other turnover situation, secure the ball. In a blocked field goal on fourth down, if that happens, you have to be thinking score because the worst thing that can happen is the offense gets the ball back and it's a turnover on downs. So that's just my little soapbox on that. All right. Send an email uh, to Coach Eric Link. I think he's a special teams. I might. Let him know. I might. I'm sure he would he'd probably, really appreciate that. Yeah, he'd probably agree with you. And said he'd probably say, I told him. Okay. Well, if he says that, then <laughs> we're all good. 
But it, yeah, I can't I can't necessarily blame uh, Chris Abrams. It's there. just it's chaos like, in the moment. Yeah, You're just on instincts. So a probably. crazy play. Yeah, they did an awesome job by blocking the kick in the first place. Um, so Missouri had one more chance to go down and tie the score. At it would have been a tie at 35 all. They got in a position where like Bazelak was getting beat up by yeah. the end of this game. Yeah, he was limping a lot on this last drive, and I think he said he he'd be fine. Like I don't, it wasn't anything serious, but I think he got hit earlier in the game, like maybe even the first half, and it kind of just took a toll on him throughout the game. Which that happens, I'm sure. Yeah. Like over time, you're just getting hit. Uh, some of those things just kind of accumulate. But he did not look like he was moving very well on this drive. Well, so he gets hit hard on third down, bringing up fourth and thirteen or something. Yeah, and. Brady Cook is like he's warming up. Yeah, throwing the ball like uh, I'm ready. Like I think Missouri takes a timeout there, and um, I fully Baselak is not moving around very well. This is obviously potentially the last play of the game for Missouri's offense. And basically, I want to know what you think, Kyle. Should they have brought Brady Cook into the game for that fourth down play? Oh man. I don't know. I mean, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. We saw what happened on that fourth down play with Bazelak in there. He that, that play was going nowhere. He needed to escape the pocket and wasn't really able to. Yeah. And I don't even know. Did he even get off a throw? He got off a throw, but it was not really yeah. that close to being completed for a first down. Um, I don't know. I think did they call a timeout there? If they if they called a timeout, it was and like had time for Brady yeah. Cook to warm up his arm, realize what he needed to do. I think he threw him out there. He looked ready. Like if, they cut to him on the sideline throwing the ball, and he looked Bazelak, like he was ready to go. If Bazelak was not able to move around in the pocket, you know Kentucky's going to send the house on that yeah. play, which they kind of did. They were in the backfield immediately. I think you just... Bazelak did what he needed to do, but he did not look capable of really finding an open man there. Yeah, Because he just kind of... It seemed like he just kind of threw it in the direction of a Mizzou jersey and hoped for the best, which... Maybe that's the best we could have gotten on that fourth down play, but, and I'm not saying Brady Cook would have done any better, but it's just tough. I I, I didn't even know what I wanted in the moment, um, because I knew Bazelak was was hurt, and but, it's probably tough to get him to come out of the game there. Like right, he's not like, get, he's not looking to the sideline like, eh, like uh, am I coming out, guys? Right, like like your seasoned player who's played the entire game, every snap of the game. And now the most important play of the game, you take him out. He's not acting like he's coming out of the game. He's no. lining up for the next play. What's know. the play call? Right. Let's get this first down. I could definitely understand an argument either way there. I, I really don't I really don't know what you do. And that's, that's yeah. a, that was a tough spot. Yeah, it just sucks when you're – anytime you're watching your team play football and you get down to those, like, just desperation moments of, like, a fourth and long, this is the game. You're right. Those just don't usually turn out very well. Not usually unless you're playing against Missouri and you're rooting for that team, whoever it is. But, yeah, it's so sad, like, you know, just feeling hope up until literally the last moment. And just when that when that fourth and 13 pass doesn't get completed and it finally hits you like they lost. It's just – it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow. But, um, I like I said, I, I was happy with, with Mizzou's effort for the most part. A lot of defensive issues. Um, if Missouri just plays okay on defense, I think they find a way to potentially win this game. Okay, so talk to me about Kentucky has NFL players on their offensive line, potentially. They've got a veteran uh, SEC running back in Chris Rodriguez. How 
is this a trend we should not be surprised by moving forward or is Kentucky how much should we talk chalk this up to Kentucky being pretty good I would like to think this is the worst it's going to get because of of those things you just said Kentucky's offensive line is dominant against probably almost anybody they're playing except for maybe Georgia or something um and you know what I think what makes their running game even better is the threat of their passing game and just not just having a capable quarterback who can make audibles and you know before the play starts making smart decisions he's got a big arm he can test you through the air I think that makes the run even harder to defend because you just don't know what's going to come and I would like to think that Missouri's defense gets better throughout the season so hopefully this was just the perfect storm of all of those factors and nobody runs for 300 yards again against Missouri but man I don't Kentucky know. ran the ball 52 times for 340 yards yeah Six, I mean 6.5 yards per and carry. why wouldn't you it was yeah. just working so perfectly yeah yeah I think I agree with you um Kentucky it, it's like I said this before we started recording but I don't want to sit here and be like Missouri was in a close-ish game against Central Michigan well Central Michigan's better than people think and then like Missouri gets beat by Kentucky so we're like well, Kentucky's actually probably the second best team in the East. But both of those things could be true. But also, Missouri's defense might struggle all season. I think they probably will. Um, they've got to get something figured out with the scheme. I don't know if it's maybe simplifying the plays or or the players just figuring out what they need to do. Um, one of those things probably has to happen um, because that just the gap integrity was off. The, the secondary was out of position several times on pass plays weren't, just, weren't getting much of a the, by the end of the game no pass against rush. central michigan the pass rush was getting there consistently that did not happen against kentucky speaks right. to their offensive line but yeah i'm legitimately worried about the defense i'm not panicking but i'm worried i don't think the linebackers are playing the run very well i don't think the defensive line is doing much well at all no, it's just a it's a it's a telltale sign that the true freshman on the defensive line, Makai Wingo, is one of the most consistent players, getting the most snaps, like over fifth year guys, sixth mm-hmm. year guys. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that's very telling that we just maybe don't have the athletes we need to compete at the level that we want to be at right now, and um, I don't know, it's a little hard to watch. So I saw a lot of non-Mizzou fan takes on Twitter and on like uh, SEC Network and stuff saying Mizzou fans chill out a little bit you have something special in Eli Drinkwitz and what he is doing on the recruiting trail let him develop more of his players and get a few off seasons under his belt and get these recruiting cycles fully integrated into the program and you'll have something special yeah I mean I think and it's not like this was not like Mizzou sunshine pumper saying right. this. Yeah. I mean, I think we all kind of know that in the back of our minds, but we just want results now. And it's still just, um, it's tough to watch them struggle. Um, whenever you want to see them win, you want to see them do well. But, um, at the same time though, from a, from a realistic, um, rational standpoint. Yeah. I think we have to understand that these things take time and, um, we'll take some, some, lumps and bumps before we're competing for the sec east um i want to talk about 
Missouri's offense a little bit more before we move on. Um, I thought Bazelak, he threw the ball 51 times. Like that's You don't really want to see that happening because that means Missouri's falling behind and having to play catch-up. But I thought he did okay. I mean, yeah. he when he was stringing together some drives, he threw the ball. He had completions to nine different Missouri receivers, um, 10 of those to Tyler Beatty, like we said. But he was spreading the ball around, checking it down when he needed to, going through his progressions, finding the tight ends. Like, I don't know. I couldn't ask for – he was using his legs when he needed to. Yeah. Getting huge first downs a couple of times yeah. on, with his legs. There was a lot to like about what Connor Bazelak did and what the offense did. Um, really felt like there was some moments where he didn't like what he saw from the defense before the play started and made a change mm-hmm. and uh, used his legs to get out of the pocket and, and extend plays and find guys. And um, that that's, I think, what you want to see from a young quarterback. I mean – I think he's just only going to get better with that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to accomplish. Yeah. So I think the the lack of uh, defensive help is kind of like putting yeah. a spotlight on some of his deficiencies, like with just um, trusting the receivers a little bit more potentially. So, man, I think early on after one SEC game, I'm worried that the the overall feeling moving forward is going to be like if that defense could do anything this Missouri team would have been pretty good so there's room for improvement for the defense and uh, if they improve that'll equal wins Missouri gets to play SEMO this this upcoming Saturday that better be a win Um, I wrote down here for my notes for the for the SEMO preview stay healthy uh, I want to see big plays out of the vanilla offense. I don't want them to have to resort to very much trickery to be making big gains. And please, please, please don't let them run the ball successfully. Right. Defense. I think um, a lot of people wanted this to be the preview for Central Michigan, and we said it's probably not going to go that way. Yeah. But I think you should have those kind of expectations for this game. I think this should not be challenging in any way. And Missouri should be able to do what they want to do on both sides of the ball. And if they aren't able to, then I think that's a little bit telling, a little bit concerning. Yeah, I mean, think about like uh, FCS opponent uh, several years back, Missouri State. Yeah. And the Missouri defense was in shambles. Yeah, that first uh, first game of the year, and yeah. they gave up like 50 points or something. And to that Missouri was State. a very much a clue for how the season was going to go exactly. for Missouri's defense. So uh, I really don't see that happening in this one. I think. With, especially with it being the third game of the season, Missouri is going to know that they have something to prove in this game. They, ha- they, I think, want to be able to come out and say, no, we know this is an FCS program. They're not going to do anything on offense. They might pull off a couple big plays, but I think the Missouri defense is going to come in locked in. I've got Missouri winning this game something like 45 to... Like, I think it's just going to be utter destruction. SEMO's offense, do nothing. (laughs) Give me 52 to 10. I think we'd be pretty happy with either one of those scores. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm, uh, just hoping that defense really gets it together for this one. Take some time to, uh, to clean things up and stay healthy, like you said. All right, we got more games to pick. Man, that 
I'm going to be thinking about that Kentucky game like all season long, especially if Missouri finishes the season about where we think they could. That's, yeah. But at the same time, it should have been a 21-point Kentucky win. So yeah, right. I need I, to just move on. I understand that. Um, I think I, we do this every year where – you know, Missouri loses a game to Tennessee or something early on. And, you know, we just think, oh, wow, I, w- I wish we could have played Tennessee later in the season. Mm. I think it's very possible that could happen with this Kentucky game where Missouri improves. They clean up the run game on, on defense a little bit. And we just think to ourselves, I would love to have another crack at Kentucky, um, you know, five or six weeks from now. But that's not how it goes. So, but I guess we got to put it behind us. And hopefully the team is taking note of what they can improve upon. Um, in the post-game conversations, did we already talk about this? Steve Wilkes is moving up to the press box for the SEMO game and potentially moving forward. Um, fine, it's fine with me. If whatever works. Yeah. If it helps in any way, I'm for it. Yeah. All right. So we have an, uh, our weekly segment, SEC Pick'em Plus Nebraska, where we look at the slate of SEC games and pick them, pick who we think is going to win them. And... This week, producer Cameron is back with us. He's back, folks. Hello, hello. Good to be back. Moderate the segment. <laughs> uh, set us up with the matchups. He's going to be giving his own picks. He thinks he wants to have his own shot at getting his name yeah, on this. Yeah, we got that trophy last time, and I was like, mm, I want I want a chance at that. So. I think you did uh, make the investment for this trophy yourself, potentially. So yeah, that, I, you that played a, a part shot. in me deciding I wanted to join in on the pick <laughs> you ponied up for the trophies like i want to at least be able to have the opportunity to put my name on it yep but yeah, we, do have an, we do have a wrinkle this mm-hmm. year as well uh-huh you can tell them okay <laughs> uh we are opening it up to our patreon supporters to play along with us and be guest pickers so we'll be picking or taking volunteers each week from our discord which you can join at patreon.com slash missouri sports pod they are going to be a guest picker Pick the slate of games with us, and uh, we'll all be competing for a spot on the trophy. Mm-hmm. So, last week we did not get guest picks, so we spotted them with as many points as Cameron had because he led the week with eight points. How many correct picks is that? Several. That's several correct picks. Several. So, at least one upset. At least one upset. So, at least seven picks right. Um, and then Kyle and I both had six points, and we spotted eight points to the guests. So I had, I had two. Eight. I had two upsets. Two so upsets. I had uh, one, two, three, four, five. I had six correct picks, two upsets. Congrats! Uh, you both had five correct picks, one upset each. Mm. Alrighty. So our guest picker. Over on Patreon this week is Britt. Mm. So let's hear. I'm ready to hear what he's got for let's us. See what he's got. All right. Our first game is New Mexico at number seven, Texas A&M. Texas A&M is a 29 and a half point favorite. Texas A&M by a million. They're fraudulent, but they'll win. <laughs> you, they're on our schedule this year, Kyle. Yeah, I know. Oh. <laughs> it's gonna be a big game oh, at home. Okay, you're scared. I'll just, I'll just put that out there. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm also picking Upset Berwin. Texas A&M. And Britt picks Texas A&M. Great okay. pick. Um, 
Second game is number one, Alabama, at number 11, Florida. Mm. Alabama is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. Bama wins those, but that'll be a, that'll be a fun one. Yeah. Um, I'd like to I'm, see Florida test it a little bit. Yeah, I'm really excited to actually watch this game because I think we will see a lot from Florida. If they think that they want to challenge Georgia in the East this year, then they are they can't just get rolled by Alabama. But I will take Alabama in this matchup. Yeah, I mean, this is that's a big deal for the SEC East standings. It's, it's kind of who you draw from the West. You yeah. know, Missouri gets to play Arkansas and uh, Texas A&M, which, and, you know, Florida has to play Alabama. So that Texas is, A&M is good, Kyle. Yeah, they are, they are good. But not. But it's not like playing Alabama. That's like a certain loss. Yes, so, yes, I agree. Um, that I mean, that's a big deal. All right, next game is Georgia Southern. Y'all both pick Bama? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Okay. I, you have to say out loud who your pick is. Yeah, I know. I'm just writing it down, and then I'll, change it. I'll change it later. He also picked Alabama. Alabama okay. across the board. Gotcha. Okay. Georgia Southern at number 20, Arkansas. Arkansas is a 23-and-a-half-point favorite. Sounds like Arkansas is winning that uh, one. Give me Arkansas. I hate it. I correctly predicted Arkansas to uh, upset Texas last week. Congratulations. <laughs> All right, Arkansas across the board. Okay. Give us a tough one. Come on. Mississippi State. At Memphis, Mississippi State is a three-point favorite. I don't know anything about Memphis. They I, always have some like NFL running back or something, though. They've been doing that. Uh, give me Memphis with the upset. Okay, I'll go. Uh, what was the other one? Mississippi State. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> give me them. I don't like that. I don't like doing that. But all right, I pick Memphis, and Britt picks Memphis. Oh, oh my gosh! Kyle by himself. I'm gonna be rooting for Mississippi State in that one. And, and who's favored? Mississippi State. Oh wow, we, oh, we're gosh. going for those bonus points. Absolutely, I'm about to be kicked to the curb if I don't get that one right. <laughs> That'd be just well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, South Carolina at number two, Georgia. Oh my god, thirty-one and a half point favorite. That's thirty-one. Yeah, give me that, Georgia. Yeah, me too. I would, I would take Georgia to cover, honestly. And maybe they'll like call off the dogs late, but. <laughs> I, the dogs. Hey, the dogs. Was that? No, I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, Georgia by a million. All right. Georgia across the board. Yeah, yeah. All right. Number 22, Auburn at number 10, Penn State. Ooh, that's a good one. Penn State is a five point favorite. Is at Auburn? Penn State? Yeah. Ooh. I'll let you pick first. Uh, give me the favorite. Penn State at home. What are you guys Producer picking? Producer Cameron. Penn State. Britt picks Penn State. You want to be crunchy? Yeah, give me Auburn. Ooh, <laughs> SEC. I'm about to SEC. bury myself in a hole. Bury Odom. <laughs> SEC. Uh, Central Michigan at LSU. LSU is a 19 and a half point favorite. Oh wow! I think LSU. Central Michigan. Oh yeah, I forgot. They yeah, you have you heard of them? Uh, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I think LSU will win, but I actually think I think Central Michigan will. It'll be a closer game than 19. I but. I agree. LSU, but LSU, but they're not covering that. Right? No, they aren't. LSU across the board. Mm. Tulane at number seventeen. Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a fourteen-point favorite. Tulane's kind of salty. Yeah, they uh, almost beat Oklahoma in week one. Yeah, they'll almost beat Ole Miss for about three quarters. I think. Yeah, Ole Miss will win it. I agree. Give me Ole Miss. Ole Miss across the board. A lot of samesies. A lot of samesies. Except for Kyle. Got that hive mind. Give me a tough one. <laughs> Stanford oh. at Vanderbilt. 
Dude. That's Stanford <laughs> is a twelve point like, favorite. Stanford could beat a team, not Vanderbilt though. I mean, <laughs> they will be. They will be Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Yes, yeah. they absolutely will be Vanderbilt. What's Stan- the what's the line? Twelve. That seems Stanford's low. not very good, but then I think they just beat, upset uh, USC and got USC's coach fired. They did. So Man. they're so not they're that be riding high. Yeah, uh, yeah, Stanford for sure. Vanderbilt off that big win though. It's Colorado mm-hmm. State. Yeah, that's actually crazy. Maybe I should start picking them. Anybody now's pick Vanderbilt? Now's your chance. No. Okay. Across the board, Stanford. Yeah. Last one. Let's hear it. He's out of breath. <laughs> Nebraska. It's a marathon. At number three, Oklahoma. Oh. Oklahoma oh, is man. a 22 and a half. No, just 22 point favorite. Ooh, I would have taken Nebraska if it weren't for that half point. Uh, Oklahoma by a million. Maybe two million. Uh oh, man! Give me Oklahoma. Uh, Britt takes Oklahoma. I got Nebraska. You do not. You do not. I thought you were trying to win. Okay, nice. I'll think about it next week. <laughs> You're taking Nebraska. Yeah. All right. Oh my God. <laughs> see, see you at the bottom of the standings. All right. Thanks for thanks for the free point. You're welcome. Uh, okay. That's it. That's, That's all I got. Oh, man, we got some we got some big games to. Uh, I'm going to really have some rooting interest. Yeah. I feel like Britt lucked out a little bit this week. There was a lot of easy games to pick. We're going to be a lot of samesies. I'm looking forward to more toss-up games in SEC play. Wow, he's not impressed. Well, we'll get Britt back in here maybe later on in the season, see what he can really do. Yeah. The the Patreon team is a collective yes. team all season, so they're yeah. all, they are depending on one another. Yes. So... So if anybody comes out here with some just like absurd yeah. picks, oh, we'll, yeah. you know, get you know. we'll really take advantage of that. Whoa. Okay, I thought we. Were, <laughs> I, thought we I was gonna say we'd throw them out. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. We, we want to win. Okay, yeah, I guess that works. <laughs> that all for this week? I think so. Yeah. Um, unless you guys got anything else, you can find this podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We are on t- Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com you can find our stickers and t-shirts on our online shop MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above Britt Treese Brian Smith Ryan Lee Tristan Ben Smith Parker Daddy JD 430 Horse Luis Hernandez and Tim Keens thank you everyone for your support we appreciate you so much thank you everyone for listening we will see you next week Thank you.